Welcome back to Stories from the Field, the superintendent podcast where we look at educational leadership through the lens of equity. Today's episode? Champions for Equity. So, Sarah, when we last got together, you were talking about a mold situation in Victoria, Texas High School and how there were a number of students who were in the credit recovery program and how Victoria College came in to save the day. Right, and last time we were together, we were on Zoom. Yes. And here we are today, <laughs> just finishing our national summer summit. Still little, got our name tags sweaty. on. It's like 90 degrees, <laughs> record highs in California. But yeah, here we are wanting to bring back this story of what went on in Victoria College with the president of the college, Dr. Kent, who was fantastic. I want to just hang out with her in real life. I want to be her actual friend. Where's home? Where do you live? Omaha, Nebraska. Hi. Hi. Welcome. We were talking about the relationship that Dr. Quentin Shepard formed with Dr. Kent. And we, we literally just sat and had breakfast and kind of got to know each other that first time and maybe even the second the second month. And then by the third month, we're talking about the things that, were, that are important to us. But anyway, she and Dr. Shepard are actual friends and they meet every month to kind of just do a meeting of the minds, hang out, share ideas. And that's where their relationship kind of started to build this idea. And I think you, th this is, didn't they have the, the meetings in the morning? Did you call them the breakfast bunch? Yes, it, but it was more like a legion of superheroes. A breakfast of champions. Champions for equity. There you go. Um, just, just listen to the conversation I got to have with Dr. Ken. Cool. This is something that we have intentionally made time in our schedules to get together. And then the conversations that come from that have just been amazing. And we're always, you know, looking at how can, how can we, um, pull our, resources together and our uh, ability to cast a wider net together and ultimately help this community. Mm -hmm. Well, and just leaning in on support, right? Col right. And it's not an agenda-led meeting. It's just all of our, we come together and we can come up with some very interesting <laughs> ideas together. <laughs> What's the craziest idea you ever came up with? I don't think we've hit it yet. <laughs> so, so, so this is what's happening. You're close with everyone and then you hear on the news and then you, you're like, will help. Right, right. And so we had a we had a breakfast and it, it may have been that day or the very next day that this news was breaking and um, both the university president and I both told uh, Dr. Shepard, whatever you need, we will help. And so, you know, I came back and was talking to to the people here on campus and we said, well, you know, the, the second floor of our academic building has several classrooms that are located together that are currently um, unused and we could easily move things around to relocate. College classes are easy to move. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we said, let's do that. We'll offer it to the school district at no, at no charge. But that started a conversation that began as um, a reaction to a situation, but then immediately turned into, well, as long as these high schoolers are going to be here, what else can we do with them? Mm -hmm. What else can we do? And we knew that these were students who were um, highly at risk of dropping out of high school. Um, that's my background. I was 19 years K-12, many years as a high school principal. My dissertation, my research is on high school dropouts. And so just we knew that we had an opportunity that started with a situation um, where there was need, but turned into something completely different life-changing yeah absolutely. it was about the same time um, this is my third year here at Victoria College but the work that we've been engaged in as a as a guided pathways institution and that's work that we're undergoing with the um, Texas Success Center for us that meant serving all students differently and better so that we could have equitable outcomes 
We, uh, at the same time, at the, the, the Stroman campus situation, we were going through our strategic planning process. And that's when we knew um, that we had to put certain support systems in place that are going to be best for not just college students, but for high school students as well. We got together and we just labored over every word in our definition. And we ultimately took that definition of equity to our board of trustees where they also had input and officially adopted this uh, definition so that it would put all of us on an even playing field. We would have a common understanding and guidance of how we were going to move forward. And I'd like to just read it to I'd you. I'd love to hear it. Victoria College will commit to fair treatment, access, opportunity, and advancement for all students while identifying and eliminating barriers that have prevented underserved and underrepresented groups from earning college credentials, particularly in fields of high economic value. And that was important to us, every piece of that. And uh, everything we do centers back on this definition. Do you see this being uh, able to be replicated in other places in the country? How would that happen? I do, I do. And there's, um, you know, our efforts, like I said earlier, as a, as a Guided Pathways institution, this is the work that the 50 community college districts in Texas are all engaging in. Mm -hmm. Now, they may have their own definitions or they may be working on their own definition, but this is the work. And um, we do, are, are they all start, do they all have the component where the, the high school students can no to my knowledge we're the only ones and I think that piece of it like why why aren't more that's such a perfect model well there's there tends to be um, as much as we work toward cohesion K-12 is very different from higher ed, mm -hmm. and we're working to bridge that gap. But I really think that as I see more K-12 people moving into higher ed, um, we there are many more of us who understand. I mean, I spent years as a high school principal, uh, not just in this area, but in inner city Dallas ISD. And so we, we speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And when we can get together and talk with our K-12 partners, and have the same terminology, we're working from the same playbook, and we're aligning what it is that we do ultimately to benefit students. Wow, she's amazing. So can you bring us home? Tell me about the results of the solution they came up with. Okay, I know you're anxious, but before you kill me, um, you really like to drag this out. We're only yes. doing three episodes of Victoria. Right. Right. I know, so I know, in this I know. episode, you have to tell part, us. Though, this is the best part. <laughs> okay. The kids, the kids, this is the best part. These are the credit recovery students. Damien, Gabriel, Jose, and Gabriella, um, they're just, yeah, these are the credit recovery students that their lives were changed. The students here are, they've all come, they were in danger of not being able to, to finish. They were behind. Um, do you know what, what got you behind? Um, it was my freshman year, uh, like the online class, I feel like that's what messed me up and that's the reason I'm kind of behind right. my school. Is that the online class during COVID or? Yes sir, I'm um, yes ma'am. <laughs> so they, then you transitioned to this school? Um, I went to West, West High School, it was another school and then I got transferred here. I, back then I didn't really pay attention that lately because during the whole quarantine thing, like that really messed me up. So after I went back to regular high school, I didn't really do any that much work and that, then I didn't really get my credits. So that's why I came here. Because none of the online stuff would work, none of the assignments, none of the essays that I did or anything like that would go through because it's either the internet problems or the computer problems or the school Wi-Fi problems.
So we're having we're having a lot of issues and like majority of us that's why we're here because of COVID and because it was a stay at home type thing. I got got cheer on and all that. I wasn't doing good in school either. Like I was um that's when I had I think I had dropped out and then I was going to Liberty for a little bit and I was going to the other location and then they brought me here. These kids were thrown behind in school basically um, after COVID. There was just some things out of their control and because of that they were put into credit recovery. We were just talking here at the summit that we just finished. Somebody shared in their superintendent five minutes of fame that um, kids who fell behind then were in an even worse situation and required even more intervention to try to help them catch back up. That's sort of that's that's what all this work around equity is supposed to be about, right? Like helping every kid get access to an equal opportunity. And so it's the kids that are at home without parents, you know, watching them because they had to go to work. And it's the kids that, I mean, these kids that I met, some of them just blatantly told me they fell into depression. Yeah. They already didn't really like school. Now they really didn't like school because they're sitting in front of a screen, so they just didn't go. One of our members described COVID as an unwanted gap year. like basically kids just didn't have school that year like right. a college kid taking a year right. off. Right, right. That's, yeah. that's tough to overcome. Uh, so back to, you know, because of this, uh, because of Victoria College and the philosophy of Dr. Kent and Dr. Shepard, um, these kids were given amazing opportunities that they never even, first of all, they didn't think they were going to graduate. I love it because uh, I'm graduating a whole, like a whole year early. Did you expect to graduate a whole year early? To be honest, no. After how many classes I've, I've, I found out I had, I didn't think I was going to do it. I had about 32 classes to finish. Right now, I have about six, six left. So you, you're 19, and you're, where, when did you come to the, I know this program has been for two months, but when did you come to this campus? This campus, I've been here since last year. I've been here since my junior year. Um, I'm pretty sure like all the other interviews that I did, like they said, this um, we only came here because our previous high school credits we failed, and so the main, so like the we have two campuses, two other campuses. We have East and West. They don't have you know college programs and stuff like that. I mean they do do credits and stuff, but with those classes like your um, uh, freshman, senior, sophomore class and stuff like that. If you're failing between uh, freshman and junior year, then they'll send you to this campus. Let alone go into opportunities for higher education beyond mm -hmm. high school, mm -hmm. jobs, uh, having people in their lives that care about them, that actually want to see them succeed. Now that I'm here, I would say uh, my teacher, Ms. Adcock, she's a very good person. Genuine. Um, she she motivates us. Nobody really cared. They were kind of lost. And how how is this environment like? Has it motivated you differently? Because you were kind of on your way to possibly not finish, right? Yes, yes. It motivated me hard because one, it's at your own pace. Two, you you know they'll help you. They motivate you. Say hey, you know if you need help, let us know. Stuff like that. And what changed for you now that you go here versus West? I have more motivation here than I have had at West because Miss Adcock, my teacher, she gives me more, gives me more of more motivation and stuff, and I feel like that helps me more to keep on going. And seeing my friends graduate here, it just pushes me to do a lot better than I was over there at West. 
So I just said my favorite part was the kids, but actually their mama bear was actually my favorite part. Uh, this is Naomi Jacinto. She's the counselor, but she's so much more than a counselor. I wish every school had a Naomi. She literally checked in on the kids every single day, kept track of their, where they were. Her office, Johnny and I were in there, it was, it was a mess, but it was a productive mess because she had sticky notes on every mm -hmm. kid. She's keeping track. Are they are they gonna fall behind? You can't yeah. fall behind because she's keeping track of it all along the way. Um, but let's meet her. I am the counselor, but I also serve as like the admin, the nurse, the secretary, whatever they need. Mama Bear. Mama Bear. So if I were to put like a title underneath you, big counselor. Big counselor, Mama Bear, secretary, nurse, counselor, giver. Yeah, my my primary one is a counselor. Yeah. Okay. Our our campus is we receive students from our other two high schools, East and West, and most of the students come to our campus because they're behind on credits. Hey Maria, how are you? Good. Hey, you have a credit slip. Okay. Let me see what you have. How many credits you have? Okay. How are you doing, Ray? Good. Yeah. I'm great. Actually, I'm sleeping. You're sleeping? Yes, Me too. I'm up. And some people don't realize that, that these kids here have a whole lot on their plate. And I always praise them when they come to school in the morning, like, good morning, I'm so glad you made it. You know, uh, you know, how's it going? You know, and then when they're, not, when they're sad, I'm like, what's going on? Let's talk about it. You know, they'll come into the office and we have a talk and I get them back on, on you know, this is where you need to focus on. Okay, sweetie. You are doing very well. You have almost 23 credits. And if you see here on your on your uh, sheet here, you have math models, algebra, economics, and chemistry. But I know y'all like to see this one. Uh, everything left in white is all you have left, sweetie. Just three more. Yep, one, two, three credits. And that's it. You're doing great. Keep it up. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, bud. Good work. Yes, ma'am. So our job is to help them, you know, provide them whatever they need, uh, motivation. Uh, sometimes some of them need some counseling or whatnot to get back on the right track. And our ultimate goal is that we want all of our kids to be college ready when they get done. So being at this particular campus has been wonderful because Victoria College comes and visits with my kids uh, class by class and they share with them what they have to offer here. And a lot of my kids were the end of the assumption, you know, college is not for me. Some of these kids are, um, they, they are first generation going to college. Um, not a whole lot of support at home, but here they are. Some of them have part-time jobs also as they're attending these courses, helping pay for bills in their homes. Johnny and I met a few that worked at all the local kind of fast food restaurants around town. They're proud of themselves. They're, they're part of society, making money, and they're, they feel smart because they're taking college courses when they weren't even supposed to graduate high school. We've got to quit talking about um, that our students are not college ready. We need to start talking about what we can do to be student ready and what does that really look like in action. And that meant that we wanted to keep the same rigor levels, but we needed to provide more wraparound services and more levels of support. We have to show that our students, um, that they, number one, that we take care of their health, their mental health. We've just opened a mental health counseling center. We got to see it. It was awesome. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Very pretty. We also have, um, we are completely committed to our students' sense of belonging. We measure that and we look for that at all times. We've adopted a, the Caring Campus Initiative. 
um, you'll see hopefully every single employee with a name tag on and we the way we approach students um, just when we're crossing each other's paths on campus the way we take care of each other from the food pantry to the clinic on campus those are all supports that we've put in place to make sure that our students are not um, disrupted by exterior or external barriers. They provided us with a lot of information as far as like you don't have to go for two years, uh, four years. We have uh, continuing ed education, pharmacy tech, uh, the truck driving, you know, uh, that, that that's, that would be offered, you know, not necessarily for our kids, but after they finish. So at least they have a lot of options now, you know, before, before, some of them didn't even think college was a possibility for them. And I, I tell them, even after they've left me, I said, just because I'm not your high school counselor anymore, I have a lot of connections. If I don't, if we don't, if I don't know the answer, I'll get it for you. So, so I just want them to know that even though our relationship has ended when they graduate, I don't want it to end. I want to continue on whatever I can offer them. Like when I'm out in the community, I'll see some of my kids like at Walmart or something. They come up and give me a hug. Hey, miss, how you doing? You know, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience, but I have been to community college, smaller colleges, and I have felt like, you know, the people joke that it's um, 13th grade, mm -hmm. right? You get done with high school and then it's easy and you go to these classes. And But right. here I feel like there's aspects of a larger university with the bookstore mm -hmm. and the, the self-care and the friendly adults and right. the financial, like that All huge area. And I'm like, I don't get the vibe that it's just a place you go to get classes to get some cheaper credits and then leave. Not at all. It's a family of people who actually care about you. That's right. And everyone we've met has been like that. That's good. And so, in the video, you saw some of them are in scrubs. Yeah. Because they're in a program kind of a, a thread, a through line for them to get into medical. So they learn a little bit about this field, pharmaceutical, and then they decide, is this something I really want to do? And some of them say, like, I never, I, I, scrubs are pajamas. Like, right. I don't, I'm not putting on scrubs and going to work. I never thought I'd have the opportunity, but they talk about putting those on, looking at themselves in the mirror and being like, I'm pretty cool. Like, I'm mm. like a part of society. People respect wow. me. And the simple thing of putting scrubs on and being treated like a respectful person and talking to people that they never had the chance, they never thought that was even possible. So this program, not only were they learning this uh, content, but the whole notion of putting on the scrubs and doing the site visits and working with current pharmaceutical people allowed them to feel like they were part of something bigger. Okay, amazing. So. Back to my original question from two episodes ago. What is the definition of educational equity? And that's what brought us to Victoria. And the real answer is that equity in education is not brought about by one person. It's, it's grown through the support and vision of all these people, the people we've met, um, Dr. Shepard, Dr. Kent, Tendrick Valentine, Stan Lawrence, Christy Adcock, all of the credit recovery students. The teachers, it's all of them bringing kids together because they believe in not only giving them one thing and seeing if it works, but seeing it through. There's barriers along the way for kids. And oftentimes we say, I'm gonna give you um, free tuition to this program, okay? That's equity, everyone gets free tuition. 
but then no one shows them how to fill out a FAFSA. No one shows them how to, I don't have money for books. No one gives them, uh, you know, for this program, money for the uniform. So what everyone here did is they thought of every single roadblock mm. and they fixed it. So it wasn't a roadblock. They didn't just give free tuition. They, they did, every, that's, that was my biggest takeaway. So like I said, I was super proud that uh, 13 of our students chose to, uh, to go to Pharmacy Tech so this would be a way that they could get their and. Uh, Dr. Shepard is always you know, saying we want the students to have an and after they graduate. Oh, okay, that reminds me. Yes, and Dr. Quentin Shepard has a, I don't know if it's a, a mission statement, a theory, a philosophy, whatever it Strategy. is. It's something that every single person we talked to, kids, students, staff, all brought it up. Mm -hmm. It's this and. I do want to go back to the and because every single person we interviewed, even students, talked about it. And I was like, at first, no one explained it. They were like, that's my and, that's my and. And then finally, as the day went on, we kind of figured out a little bit more of what that meant. Yeah. And so you started that? That's your thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take credit for it as, yes, but... It, it's but, awesome, though. But it is awesome. And, it, and I wouldn't say that I so much started it as I would say that I seeded it. I seed lots of things. Um, I'm fascinated. The, the whole purpose of writing the book is that I'm fascinated at how culture works, organizational culture works. And I think one of the big things that we screw up, especially, especially now, like the, the nature of leadership has changed so much in the public sphere, especially uh, in the world that we now live in. Uh, we screw up our language, frankly. Like we have this this beautiful intent in our mind, but then we use language that's um, that's either oppositional or counterproductive to what we actually intend to do. So, buy-in and engagement is a perfect example of this. Like I, I actually don't want buy-in or engagement at all. Think about what buy-in and engagement are asking from you. They're saying to you, "I have a privileged view of reality that I need for you to buy into." Mm -hmm. I see the world in a way that you don't see it because of information that you you don't have. And so what I'm really saying, if I'm if I'm saying that if I'm saying that in a way that's offensive, I'm saying I'm asking you to to subordinate your will to mine. And that's just as a human being, who would ever talk to another human being that way? Yet when I ask you for your engagement or buy-in, 99 times out of 100, that's exactly the message I'm sending. And so for me, we we bury words like that, and we start using words like ownership. Well. Ownership is just something I just say it and does it resonate with people and if it, that's what I mean by seeding a word within the community and so this whole notion of the and came about is because the way that um, Texas assesses students and assesses campuses and assesses school projects is, is mind-numbingly complicated mm. w w just and they try to simplify it down into a letter grade yeah and that's aberrant uh, when it comes to real school improvement, it's it is um, oppositional to anything that resembles continuous improvement, which is what we're really after in education. And so, I just tried to see different words that made sense with our community. And so, I'd say stuff, and then when I heard stuff repeated back to me, I'm like, ah, that that resonated. That caught and on. then when yeah. it starts to resonate a lot more, I'm like, and and is a big deal for this community. And but you're not just stopping, right? You're not stopping. What I loved about it for me was you're not stopping at graduation, but also you're not saying everyone has to go to college. That's everyone right. has to, you know, join the military. There's so many opportunities right here in Victoria and with the collaboration with uh, Victoria College that it was like 
you know, you you want to go into uh, nursing? Do you want to try out the fire department? Do you want to go to uh, work in a factory where your parents work? There's all these opportunities, and nobody is saying your idea is less than that's right. or that's not a great plan for your future. All you're saying is have a plan, right? Have a next step. It's beautiful. You literally just quoted from our strategic plan, if you can believe that. <laughs> you did. It actually says in our strategic plans, there are no lesser paths. Like those are the exact words in our strategic plan. We want to be very, very mindful of that. Um, we, we, we try to s simplify it in our own minds. The and for us is really about three E's. So it's either employment, enlistment, or enrollment. Right, those three E's are what makes up the and, and and I guess the other part about the and that makes it easy for me to, easy for me to talk about and 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 maybe there's a certain charisma that goes along with this, I guess, is that it's it's deep, 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 in my core beliefs, like my core value. I read this great book called Halftime, uh, that the author asks you to think about your entire life from the moment you open your eyes to the moment you shut your eyes. And if you could summarize your life in one word, what's that word that defines your life? This is not the word that like you're outwardly, like this is the word that gives me direction. It is the word that quite literally has made up the box that is the entirety of your life, right? And for me, it was like a second, one second went by and I was like, oh, I know the word. And I've talked to other people and they're like, I've, I've been spending the last 50 years of my life trying to figure out what the word is. I still don't know what the word is. But for me, I knew what the word was. And it's all about potential. You see, potential, like that's literally the moment I wake up. As, as, as you may or may not know, I was a former ultra marathon runner. I was born out of no other, no other um, desire than to explore the limits of my potential. I was a, a weightlifter for a long time. I wanted to get over 300 pounds as a bench press and potential. And then I'm cycle, and, and then I earn my. I wanted to earn my PhD. I wanted to earn a doctorate, but like a doctorate or PhD, and then I said, I'll do the PhD. I want to see what my potential is here. And when it was working with students, I wanted to see their potential. And as a principal, I wanted to see the potential of my teachers. And as a superintendent, what's the potential of the organization? What's the potential of the board? What's the potential of my team? Like literally, the second my eyes open, until the second they close, my my life is defined by potential. Well, the and is nothing more than potential. Like, what's next? Mm -hmm. Well, that's one big metaphor. And that does it for this arc of a story. The next episode is my turn to head out and for you to interview me and see what's happening in one of the other IEI districts around education Ooh, and equity. where are you going? You'll have to tune in to the next oh, episode so to I find out. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, that does it for our story about Victoria ISD and Dr. Quentin Shepard. Hope to see you again soon on Stories from the Field, the Superintendent Podcast. Just a quick shout out to our producer, John Freeman, who joined us to lead the work during our podcast this season and is the voice you're hearing sometimes in the background asking questions. Thanks so much for being with us, Johnny. We appreciate all you've done for the podcast. We'd like to let you know that to create these stories, it takes a village. This episode was directed by John Freeman, videography and audio by Sho Matsuyama, Chase Mazo, John Freeman, Sarah Kroll, and Doug Roberts. Edited by John Freeman, Chase, Mazo, 
and Sho Matsuyama. Stories from the Field podcast was produced for IEI with Century Tree Productions. Be sure to like and share these stories with anyone and everyone. Yes, they are that inspiring. IEI is committed to bringing educational leaders together to ensure that they have the influence, access, resources, and support they need to lift students' voices. We empower superintendents to amplify their voices, becoming thought leaders who shape the future of education.